We have been uh, starting this kind of series about this idea of God as a name, uh, discussing the different names of God and the old ancient names of God. We won't cover everything, but kind of give us an overview uh, of how we've, we've got there. But before we get there, that's important, but let me give you a quick basketball update because I know we're all waiting for that. Uh, we closed out the season with another solid loss. Uh, 100 to 50 we lost. Yeah, we won zero games, and the majority of them weren't even close. It was not, some of you guys were there, it's just, it wasn't even like, well, if you just do this, it wasn't, it wasn't even close. And our name was Tenacious D, Brett. Our name was Tenacious D, which you think would mean something, but I would argue we, we gave up probably more points than anyone else in the entire league. And so I would say the name maybe didn't work for us, but I'm also glad we did name our team after our church, because that, I don't know if I could handle that around, around town. I, there's too many guys who would be giving me a hard time, so we, we, we got away with that. Um, but yeah, we're breaking into this new thread, breaking this new thread of, of, of talks here on Sunday mornings, revolving on the idea that God has a name, which is not a new idea. Um, he has, of course he has a name. So yeah, of course he has a name. It's God. But what are these other names that we find? And there's a book I read a few years ago by a teacher author by the name of, of John Mark Comer that I really enjoyed and want to recognize. It's, it's sort of inspired many of this, this idea. And, and it's been on my mind as something to kind of introduce here. And so just to kind of recap last week, if, if you were here or weren't here, uh, we talked about the, the most ancient name of God, Elohim, the first name we'd find. Elohim uh, comes from, like, in the beginning, like Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, Elohim created. And it's used over 2,500 times throughout the Old Testament, right? All, all the way, all the way to the cross, where Jesus says, Eloi, Eloi, which is an Aramaic form of the words, this idea of Elohim. And Elohim, the Elohim name of God is a very general, general meaning of God we talked about. So it's God or gods, it's spiritual beings, what makes it personal is relationship, right? So we talked about last week, not unlike the word mom. The word mom is extremely general. It's broad, and yet you know your mom as intimate and specific. It's a name for a person that you, you know and connect with, mom. It means something different when it's my mom, such as the word with God. And we're going through Exodus, this passage in Exodus, and it is uh, one of the more famous passages in all of the text. This is the John 3, 16 of the rabbi. This is the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. It's the only place where God really talks about himself in this way. And the context of this passage is the early days in the wilderness. Moses is up on the mountain. He's got his chisel tablets and he's preparing for the commandments. And this is the second time he's been up there. Because remember the first time he went up there in God and he came down there worshiping the calf. Remember what Moses did with the commandments? He broke them. He smashed them on the ground. So he got these, this, this revelation from God. He comes down. He sees the people worshiping this figure. He breaks them. So he has to go back up and, and, and meet with God again, which is, which is great. So this is what it says in 34. Uh, read it last week. We'll read it again. Exodus 34, 6. This is, this is Moses up on the mountain with the Lord. The Lord begins to speak. He's speaking for himself. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. This is the Lord God saying, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. Because when we talk about God, especially in this idea of Elohim, this idea of God or gods or any general God, we could be talking about anything. We could be talking about anything. Right? There's so many, oftentimes we hear sound bites from uh, you know, famous people or songs or acceptance speeches, or almost every politician will bring in the word God. The, the, they say the name God. And I'm not always sure who God is to them. Right? I, and I'm certainly not the one to make the judgment. However, in some cases, 
there's some context clues that lead me to believe that maybe they're not talking about my God, maybe they're talking about something else, some other idea of God. Right? Certain celebrities you know, and they thank God, you're like, God's like, oh, don't bring me into this. Sometimes this is revealed in conversations. This is with, with friends or neighbors or families or coworkers who say, oh, I believe in God, but I can't believe God's like that. Because we assume, right, being humankind, we assume we are the experts on God. And we have a human bent, all of us, we have a human bent to make God in our own image. Right? And you can safely assume you've done this if God agrees with you on everything. God hates all the people you hate. He loves all the people you love. God is passionate about all the issues you're passionate about, and he doesn't really care about the issues you don't care about. This is the point of getting to know God for who he is, who he says, about what he says about himself. A specific God, a God with a name, a God that's a person. God is a person, which is a little bit oversimplifying it, somewhat, somewhat of a binary idea. But it's to say he's not a spiritual energy for us to just mold and shape whoever we want, right? Which is really how we, how we created God, particularly in the West. Well, God is this idea, and then I, I like to mold him so he kind of fits my lifestyle. And he agrees with me, and he votes like me, and he likes the people I like, and doesn't like the people I like, and that's, that's my God. And he's this energy, and he's in the mountains, and he's in the ocean. That's sort of the God we've created. We've created God in our own image. But the God we encounter through the text and the God that we experience through the revelation of Jesus is a very specific, he's not a, a multi-dimensional sort of God, there's a God. And before we find Moses in this encounter where God begins to really lay himself out, Moses has this other encounter, and this is in Gen uh, excuse me, Exodus 3. And we touched on this just last week briefly, but this is Moses. He's tending the flocks. He's working for his father-in-law. This is the beginning of his story. He's already gotten out of Egypt. If you remember the story of Moses, he had, he had murdered an Egyptian. He has to flee. He, he, he finds this kind of new home, this new family. And he's tending the flock, and he's on this, on this mountain. And he kind of sees this, this flame, this fire coming from within a bush. And he doesn't know what's going on. The bush is on fire, but it's not burning. And verse 3 of Exodus 3 says, So Moses thought, I will go up over and see this strange sight, why this bush is not burning. And it goes on, he goes over, and he hears this voice from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. And the Lord said, hey, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. He begins, begins to have this exchange with Moses. And basically he starts to say from the bush, I have seen the misery of my people, in verse 7. I have heard them crying out. Because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them. This is the beginning of this Exodus story from the hand of the Egyptians. And so now I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, Israel's, out of Egypt. To, the, to which point Moses is like, wait, hold, go back. You're sending me. I thought you were going to do it. So Moses in verse 13 says, says to God, suppose I do go. And suppose I have to go to the Israelites first. Hey, I'm getting you out of here. What do I say to them? Suppose I go to the Israelites and say, the God of your fathers has sent me. They ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. He also added, say to the Israelites, the Lord, I am. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob has sent me to you. And I said, what's your name? Right? And again, it's a little bit of a review if you here last week. In the ancient Hebrew, they wouldn't just ask this way. They didn't have this, oh, what's your name? They're not, they're not just looking for a label, but the question is more about identity. Misham Ka in the Hebrew, who is your name? 
or Misham came here, what is the meaning of your name? And so he's really asking God more about himself. And he responds with, Eya, Eya, I am, or I will be. I will be what I will be if we broke that down. I am, I was, I will be, I exist, I am constant. There's this huge sort of philosophical idea wrapped up in the I am that I am. But Yahweh is God's personal name, I am. And it's so close to God, the person of God, that the ancient uh, Orthodox Jews even today, and even in the Hebrew scribes, they refuse to pronounce it. They would say Hashem the name, or Adonai the Lord, to guard man's sanctity. So we can't even say God's name. We can't even say God's name. You'll see that in your text. Things are spelled out differently. Sometimes you even see uh, Yahweh spelled out, missing some of the vowels. But this is the, God, this is the name that God chose for himself. I am Yahweh. Right? The only being that named himself. And in this culture, particularly this worldview, especially around Egypt, this poly, polytheistic system of gods, of the Egyptians, this God is saying, well, I actually am God. Like, I am the God of gods. I am, I was, before, I exist. And if we skip ahead to this idea that Moses is kind of going against, he's going to have to combat against Pharaoh and the Egyptian gods. And he said, well, I have this God of gods, and you have all these gods. What's interesting as we see, get into the plagues, we're not going to cover this today, but if you get into the plagues, you look at some of the specific gods that they represent, our, our God defeats each of these gods, this is sort of systematically. And Amun-Ra is one of the main gods of, of Egypt. This is Ra, the sun god. Maybe you've heard of Ra. This is the, the king of other gods. Uh, he is not only, uh, 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 he, he, he not only created himself, but it's said that he would create the entire universe. So the sun god, big time for Egyptians. Amun-Ra or Ra. And what does God do repeatedly when he shows up with the plagues? He blocks out the sun. He blocks out the sun. So this god, as we see his story unfolding, he begins to throw down, like, no, this is something different. This isn't just another god in his pantheon of gods. They all kind of do battle and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're vying for human attention. He, he is saying, no, I'm, I'm like up here, God. I'm, I'm God, God. Exodus 12, 12, it says on the same night, this is talking about the Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down, this is the Lord speaking, I will strike down every firstborn. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And gods of Egypt here is Elohim. So he's, even God used that, right, I'm going to strike down all the other gods. I'm passing judgment on all the other gods. I am, because I am. I will bring judgment on Elohim, because I am. And so while there have been other, you know, been stories of God that they've, they've heard through generations through generation, now it's beginning to really reveal his place in, this, in the cosmos. I am. It, it's, it's very revelatory. You know, we say, I am that I am, doesn't really make sense, whatever. But it was huge. This is a huge concept. And so God goes on to clarify. He says, I am that I am. Because he could probably tell Moses was getting a little lost. He's like, okay. And he certainly, Israelites aren't going to really understand this. So he says, I am. I am the God of your fathers. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent you. And so for Moses and for the Israelites, when God reveals this, it's like, oh, you're that guy. Oh, cool, cool, cool. But it's like, cool, cool, that's what I thought. You're like, oh yeah, you're that guy. But this happens to us in conversations with, with, with people. You have a connection with someone, and you're not sure how you got there. And, and, and you know, I've talked to them, they know, you know them, they know you kind of. And like, at some point, oh my gosh, you're that person. I totally understand now. I got it now. And so God's linking himself up to these stories. 
Now, for us today, which, you know, we don't live in the, in, in the Near East and in ancient Egypt, and we don't use these kind of languages, but what does this look like for us today, this sort of idea of getting to know God in this way? Getting to know the I am, experiencing God as an I am. What's cool about this encounter with Moses, and this is, this is so huge, right? He wasn't, he wasn't looking for a God of the mountain. He was tending flocks. God shows up in a very specific way. It says that Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he sees this activity happening that just piqued his interest, right? As it would all of us. Like, things on fire. It's not going anywhere. Verse 3, so it says, Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Right? So he's out wandering around, minding his own business, tending to his job. This sort of supernatural experience begins to take shape. So now I'm going to go check this thing out. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. He spoke Moses' name. It says, Moses turned to look. When God saw this, he called. And I love the idea here for you and us as, as seekers or journeyers in the spiritual and trying to connect with the Lord. And maybe you're not. Maybe you're just wandering around and you're doing your thing and you're, you're tending to your flock and doing your job and you're busy and you've got your calendar. But maybe some of the activities happen. That could take place in the church. That could happen at work. And you're like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. I'm, I'm interested. Moses, he's like, I, Moses had to think about it. He thought, mm, I guess I'm going to go. Yeah, you think he would. But he had to think, I'm going to go, I guess I'll go check out this thing. This is a lot of us, actually, in our spirituality. This is a lot of people who find their way into the church at some point. Like, ah, I'm not sure I want to fit that into my life right now, but I see it. And, you know, I, I see, like, Amy's stores Instagram. New looks like a fun place. I guess I'll check, check out this strange thing. Like, new is a strange site. Like, how does that work as a church? Like, people will come in, like, check it out. Maybe some of you found it that way. Like, that looks interesting. I think I'll go over and check it out. I'll go, I'll go look a little deeper. I'll go maybe learn some more. And I love this. Is when, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, then he called out. When the Lord saw that Moses was giving some attention to this revelation, to this, this experience, this activity, this, this, this sort of supernatural activity, then the Lord spoke out. He didn't call from the bush, hey, Moses, Moses, Moses. No, he, he had to wait. He waited. He waited for Moses' attention. And I, and I think that's so important for so many of us who feel like we're just missing out on God. We're not hearing from God. We're not experiencing God. We don't understand God. And I, I would argue, gosh, in every one of our lives, there is some kind of moment of activity that God is sort of pushing out around you someplace, sometime, and it's sort of up to us, like, ah, you know what, maybe I should pay a little bit of attention to that. I'm going to go see what this is about. I'm going to go check this out. And maybe it's a nudge in your heart to get something in your life organized or sorted out. It's kind of been bothering you, and I should probably sort that, sort that thing out. It's a nudge of the Holy Spirit. But you have to go over, and like, once you get there, somebody's, oh, okay, now I understand. Now I understand. When the Lord, that saw, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush. He's, he's awaiting some sort of action from Moses. Oh, God is gracious. He'll find, he'll find a way to you, to all of us. But there's something about you and I paying attention, paying attention. He sees something happening, thinks about, I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go look a little deeper. And then God begins to speak. And this is just the beginning. 
Moses, Moses, who are you? Well, I am. I'm going I'm to help you guys out. This is just the beginning, Exodus 3, of that encounter of that relationship of knowing God. God has a name now, because name is the beginning of relationship, right? This is sort of how it starts. We talked about this. When you get to know somebody, that, that's like one of the first things. What's your name? What is your name? But we look at this passage from, from Exodus 33. This is a little more now. Now, this is a little deeper. This is God giving up a, a little more information about himself. This is God saying, okay, and now we've gone through some stuff together. Let me tell you more about me. Because Moses kind of needed that at that point. It wouldn't have been just enough for him to exist with God in that kind of one sentence. God's like, okay, this is a relationship. I know you, and I want you to get to know me. And I think for you and I, all of us want to be in this sort of journey from chapter 3 to 33. Whether you're just wandering around, and you're, you're shepherding, you're working, and there's like, I know there's probably some kind of God. I see these kind of supernatural things spark up. It gets my attention. To going to check it out, right, to maybe hearing God a little bit. Like, okay, like, oh, God. God is a name. To this point of him spending more time with God, getting this chapter 33 experience with God where God just begins to speak out and speak out. Here's what I'm like. I want you to know me more. I want you to know me deeper. I don't want you just to know my name. Because not just knowing a name doesn't really mean anything. Oh, I know their name. I don't know anything about their life. This is God saying, I want you to know about me. I want you to know how I live. And he describes himself. And it's not a bunch of statistics and, I'm, and, and big words like, oh, I'm omnipresent. He's, he just starts to explain who I am, abounding in love, forgiving wickedness. And yet there is sin that I will have to deal with. And this is a lot of stuff. And I think about the worship team come up. We'll kind of close out with, with, with some song and spend some time with God. And this can be a lot of stuff. We're all sort of on some kind of journey. And sometimes we get stuck in the middle, I think. Like from chapter 3 to 33, we never get there. Like, oh, yeah, I had that experience with God, and I saw the bur- I had a burning bush moment, and i like, oh, yeah, I think there is a God, but never got any closer. Never got any closer to where there's an intimacy and a relationship, an understanding of who God is. And it can be hard. It can be overwhelming. Some of these words can be overwhelming, but you don't have to do it all at once. I was out in my front yard, uh, I think this week, and it was way overgrown, right? We have all this rain, a lot of us have experienced this, and everything's growing up all over the place, and for, for weeks after the rain, I'm like, well, I'm just going to make sure the rain's done, and then I'll go do it, and now it's been a while, like, I probably need to get out there, and we just have, like, the shabbiest yard on the block at this point, and, and, um, and I finally go out there, and I'm starting to pull stuff out there, pull stuff out of my yard, and, and, and trim it up a little bit, and I see two houses down, my neighbor Tom, and Tom is a really nice guy, Catholic guy, a lot of you know, young adult kids, uh, sweet family, love Tom. The problem with Tom is, is that his yard is perfect. His front yard is meticulous. This guy is unbelievable. He goes out there like every day, it's like with scissors, like perfectly green. The little grass like from the sidewalk to the street is, is perfectly done. I'm looking at him, and I'm starting to like, kind of feel bad about myself, like seeing Tom over there. He maintains all his stuff, but I just kind of let it go. It would have been easier if I would have tried to keep up with him. But this is the kind of guy, he washes the sidewalk in front of his house. I'm serious. He shop vacs his driveway. This guy is unbelievable, right? And I'm like, I don't even know if I could be out here working on my yard with Tom working on his yard. I just felt like, I felt like ashamed and embarrassed almost. But I think sometimes spiritually we can kind of feel like that. Like, I don't even know how to begin. 
Like, you should look at somebody else, like, oh, they have it all together and their family and their life, they've, and they've got the job and they understand God. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I got this, like, this mess here. <laughs> but Tom doesn't feel that way about me. Tom is super happy that I'm working on my yard. <laughs> right? It's just getting started. Moses went over to the bush. Moses was not a hero. He was not the, the person, the man of faith that we look at him now. He was just a guy who was on the run for murdering somebody. And he's out in the, in the wilderness tending to his, you know, the flock out in the mountain, probably trying to avoid his father-in-law. And he encounters God. And that calls him into a story, into a journey of epic, epic proportions, right? It's incredible. But it's a start. It's a start with this. I think there might be a God. I think I see him doing something. I'm going I'm to look a little deeper and then see where God leads you. And we can all benefit from that. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. We can always go deeper. So God, thank you for you are. Thank you for this community. Uh, Lord, thank you that you, gosh, that you know us and you want to be known by us. And let that sink into us, Lord, even this morning as we, as we just praise you. That you have a name because you want us to know it. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for anyone who just feels lost or afraid or just wandering around and has not encountered God ever or for a long time. I pray you'd be even this morning as we close out. We invite your Holy Spirit to, to speak. In your name, amen.